This is a Rooster Teeth production. Okay, Charles, I'm summarizing here, but Odin uses Asgardian magic, which is like advanced science to them. Doctor Strange and the Mystic Arts guys, they use Eldritch magic, makes constructs. They can use it in their bodies to help them walk, that kind of thing. Wanda uses chaos magic, warps reality as needed. Mm. But Mm. what sort of magic do they teach at the Charles Pulliam Moore School of Magic? Oh, goodness. Um, (laughs) This is going to sound ridiculous, but we specialize in uh, the common sense brand of magic. (laughs) Um, An off overlooked Ah, A rare one, a rare one. Yes, yes, yes. Off goes overlooked and people really sort of forget how important the fundamentals are. Um, don't go in there. Don't go into the basement. No, 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 no. Um, you know, you don't cast open the a, box. you cast a very sensible, a very simple sensibility charm, and you're just like, oh, that's dumb. I'm gonna leave now. And you know what? Like, you really avoid all the chaos. God, I wish I could invest in your school. I would, I would gladly open a franchise of it here in, <laughs> in Austin. Uh, but unfortunately, we can't. But we can talk about Wandavision. So let's do that instead. Let's do it. Welcome to The Real Canon, a new pod about the genre pop culture we all live, breathe, and help make happen in real time. I'm Charles Pulliamore, writer for io9 and owner of a first edition copy of The Darkhold. And I'm John Reisinger, content creator and producer for Rooster Teeth Productions and the internet's multiverse father. Today, we're talking about the WandaVision finale. Now that WandaVision's come to an end, the Marvel Cinematic Universe has become a slightly different sort of place, and Wanda Maximoff's gone through a bit of an evolution, you might say. Uh, The finale was wild and also incredibly polarizing in a way that the show's creative team kind of warned audiences about. Um, Now that we've seen the finale, we've got thoughts, which we're Mm going to get into. But before that, we're rolling right into Cannon Fodder, our weekly segment about the hottest news stories that fall into this chaotic sphere we live in. Yeah, we got some fun stuff going on in the nerd culture world. First off, I want to talk a little bit about Superman and Lois, the new CW series. Is it that is a, what it is? It is a CW series, yes. First, so wait, are two episodes out by now? We are two episodes out now, yeah. It's um, Superman and Lois, starling, oh goodness, I do not know how to pronounce either of these people's names, um, but the people who have been playing Superman and Lois um, on the Supergirl show, um, which was originally a CBS show, um, who uh, reprised their roles in some of the CW-verse crossovers. Mm-hmm. Um, they have now uh, set up shop in Smallville in um, a new um, family drama that's all about the two of them settling down in Smallville to raise their teenage sons. Listen, as someone who deeply loved Smallville, the TV series, for all of its flaws and all of its oddities, <laughs> it, was, it was special to me, okay? Um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm excited about the possibility of a new Superman series, you know, set in Smallville and that kind of thing. I like, his name is Tyler Hoach, Hoachlin, something like oh, that. Sure. I'm, let's go yeah, with that. Yeah, sure, um, let's go with it. I like him. Um, he's, uh, some people complain that he's playing like a, a sadder Superman and they're just tired of seeing sad Superman. <laughs> I, so I, I want to, I, I have a question about that. So like, I'm not the biggest Superman fan. I'm well sure. aware of like who Superman is, what he embodies and. I have an idea of why people like him, but like as an outsider of the Superman hype, I truly don't get it. So when you say like sad Superman, what does that mean? Do you just mean he's not smiling as much or? I think a lot of people have thought about this because people have said this about Henry Cavill and that kind of thing, especially when it got into like uh, 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 Batman v Superman and, mm. and that kind of thing. And you could see them 
trying to combat that in some of the way that I think Josh Whedon directed him in Justice League with mm. some weird smiley moments. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, but I think people, you know, obviously hold Christopher Reeve's uh, portrayal, you know, in a special place in their heart. And, mm. and he was a very, uh, you know, wholesome and a little bit of a happier Superman, especially in his Clark Kent form. You know, he was a little nerdier and, and kind of a awkward laughy and that kind of thing. And so they think that, you know, he shouldn't be so morose. Mm. Uh, but in all honesty, like as far as like a comic book reader myself, like Superman has ranged in his kind of views and, and personality in the comics, depending on who's writing him and what's going on, which as a comic reader in general, you just kind of get used to the characters acting a certain way, depending on who's writing them. You have a little right. bit more... Uh, malleability with these characters you're used to with comics um but the you know the superman that's going on is superman lois he's dealing with some tragedy um uh, I, I, do we do we do a spoiler of the big tragedy in the first episode i mean i don't think that i don't with characters like superman very much like characters like batman the thing that happens to superman in the first episode is not all that much of a surprise um there's right. a death in the family we won't specify who exactly um, but it is something that brings him back to Smallville. And the what I got from these first, I just watched the first episode, what I got um, away from it was a recentering of the idea of what Superman is, right? And so he's active as a superhero and Lois mm -hmm. is active as, you know, a legendary reporter. And they are both brought back to a Smallville that, in my mind, embodied like Heartland America. Sure. Um, you are clued into the goings-on um, of Smallville that have, you know, been chugging along in Clark and Superman's absence. And there is a kind of, like, down-home, grassroots heroism that is on display there that is sort of yeah. held up as, like, being exemplary. And it's great. You know, it, 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 it's, it's very, you know, it's very idealized and it's very, like, apple pie. But <laughs> the thing that sort of I took away from it was it came across as very white, um, in a way that, yes. is, that I don't that I don't mean to say pejoratively, but my issue with Superman and rather the mythos around Superman has always just been like this valorization of like a strong white male figure. And you can yeah, I guess I'm, I'm aware he's an immigrant and he embodies the immigrant experience. But part of Clark Kent's power, you know, and his relatability or, you know, the mass market relatability that he has is his ability to embody white masculinity yeah he, um, he blends and, in with what they the writers considered you know regular humans exactly you know, and he's in america and so he's just a you know generic looking white dude and this show feels very much like a hey do you want to sort of move away from the grim dark snyderverse clark kent who kills people and maybe kind of get away from <laughs> and maybe kind of get away from the straight up um uh, outlandish fantasies of the animated series do you want like um do you want a Clark and Lois who are coming to your television every week and telling you that everything's going to be okay and you can pay your mortgage? This might be the show for you. And that's fine, right? Like that is very much something that I understand has a certain kind of appeal for a certain kind of Superman fan. Sure. Um, but literally right off the heels of this show debuting on the CW, um, Warner Brothers drops a rather significant piece of news regarding the future of Superman's on-screen presence. Um, with the news that the next Superman film coming out um, of the partnership between WB and DC uh, will be written by Ta-Nehisi Coates um, of Atlantic fame, um, noted culture critic um, and critical race thinker, who <laughs> I think is rather well known for also not being a, a huge fan of Superman and really kind of bringing um, a critical politic to his comics writing. I feel like a lot of people will know his work from uh, Marvel's Black Panther. Um, mm -hmm. That was very much... 
um, a political drama when it first started and has since gone on to become this wild intergalactic story about Wakanda's future that mm -hmm. taps into ideas about what does it mean to be, what does it mean to be truly like excellent, excellent to the, like the pinnacle of civilization. Do you, you know, do you fulfill the role of ultimately becoming like a colonizer yourself? It's very like, very heady, like subject matter for a Black mm -hmm. Panther comic. And the reaction to the news about Coates coming on to write this Superman book was, oh, well, he's just going to make Superman black. And that's just going to be, you know, that's just going to be what DC does to pander to the SJW crowd. Sure, sure, sure. Um, which is an understandable reaction from silly trolls who don't really know what they're talking about, um, who don't understand that to just invert Superman into being um, a black man is it's it's that, that that in and of itself is not a story on its own right like right. obviously there would be so much more that would have to go into the crafting of this kind of story and to be honest we don't know we obviously don't know what this movie is going to be but i think it's very telling to see what the reaction was it was like oh that's not my superman and it's yeah. like well that sharply contrasted with the you know the reaction to i think it was just a shot from superman and lois where it's superman holding up the car you know they're recreating that comic yeah. book cover and it's like that's the real superman it's yeah like, well yes it's the real superman in a sense like he's dressed up like superman and he's doing the thing from the books when you say that's the real superman be honest what do you actually mean there what is it about that image that really speaks to you um eh, i don't know i it, it with comics I, I wish we were at the point where we like I, I just said a second ago about how uh with these characters they are changeable they are they have they they aren't just a set character they aren't mm. just a set agenda they have been handed over to dozens upon dozens of writers and artists who have all taken their stabs at them and these characters that you say you have you know a specific read on aren't it you can't because they, they have they've changed throughout the year superman is like a bajillion years old as far as like you know pop culture you know years are concerned and in the comics he's been told a million different ways same as batman's been told a million different ways and if you want to keep you know going to the internet and writing you know what the real superman is i can't stop you from doing that but all i can say from here on this platform is i that's wrong. That's not what this show is even about. This show is about the malleability of canon in general and the ongoing, you know, metamorphosis of it. Um, and I think we, you know, as fans should constantly welcome uh, new voices and perspectives to continue to evolve these characters. And Tanahisi Coates is, a, I think, a great, you know, pick for someone to keep adding to that. You know, you're talking about the malleability of canon, and that has sort of been one of the core sort of like driving forces that's been keeping WandaVision so interesting, you know, from beginning to end. At this point, this will be <laughs> the third time that we've sat down and recorded a conversation about it because there's just been so much, you know, every week, no matter how much you actually know about the comics, the show is coming back and being like, oh, no, 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 things are changing. Um, mm -hmm. And that was very much the case with the finale, which, I mean, let's just get into it, shall we? So we're here, we're in a post-WandaVision world. Mm. How are we feeling? What's our read? You know, what's our what's our mood color on our rings? Um, mm. What's going on? Mood color. 
What color are my mood rings got? Um, you know, <laughs> you know, have you ever, it's been so long since I was at a restaurant, but you know, when you're at a restaurant and it's like new, right? And you're, you're having a really great time. You're like, oh my goodness, like everything that I'm trying, I'm unfamiliar with, but it's oh, yeah. just an enlivening experience. And then you get to the end and you're like, everything has been a knockout so far. Let me just try this wild dessert and see what it's going to be. <laughs> And you get is that, it. Is that what season finale was? Yeah. And you get it. And you're like, it was a little pricey. And so I was totally into it. But this is fine. You got some, you got some uh, receipt shock. You, you, you took a picture of it. You shared it to the gram. But in your heart of hearts, you're like, this is not what I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's very, I, I, I texted you earlier this week that yeah. uh, I, I kind of don't trust people anymore who cannot criticize good, uh, things that they like. Exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, I, for one, am like, I, I will totally criticize things people like and, and, you know, and question why certain people like certain um, movies um, just because, you know, I don't see the, the you know, the appeal in it. Um, but I also self-admittedly go, I like bad things all the time and I'm all well the time, aware they're right, bad. Right. And here's and, the thing, and, like when you and can I will identify, call out that they're bad. Yeah. And when you can truly be honest with yourself, you're like this thing is trash. Like it's not, not, not even trash. The thing in this, this thing is lacking in nutritional value, but I'm enjoying it. I recently rewatched and I, I bring this up as a key example. Every time I bring this up, I recently rewatched a movie that I like, okay. which is uh, King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. Oh my God. Um, which was a super failure at a franchise launch. <laughs> okay. um, lost the production company uh, lots of money because it oh, did not it make was, any it of it back. Kind of disaster. I gotcha. And uh, yeah, and they were, and it was, it was, it was a Guy Ritchie uh, directed it, and it was like it was. Uh, I think it predated the Dark Universe Cinematic Universe failure, mm. um, and was like the beginning of those those failed attempts at a at a like you know franchise multiverse kind of thing. Right. Um, but I still like, I'm like, I know no one likes this movie. I can look at the reviews. I, I, I know none of my friends like it, but I'm like, I, so at one point I'm going to rewatch this movie and I'm going to see it. And then I rewatched it recently and it was like, I like this movie. It's fun. I'm glad I own it. I'll probably watch it again in a few months. And that's fine. But I know like it's, it's got like holes in it and it's bad. And I think we can say that about things that we like. And so with WandaVision, the finale, a lot of that came out where, you know, since the show has been pretty incredible from the get-go consistently so yeah yeah and yeah consistent's a great word for wandavision um as far as the production quality goes uh the finale was a misstep along the way had good parts and Mm -hmm. didn't leave a bad flavor in my mouth at the very end of the whole show but it definitely uh i think invokes some criticism for some of the choices they made along the way for how to wrap this up but it seems like People either think that you should think it's the best thing ever or uh, shut up. I don't know. I, I, I got the sense that there was this way that throughout the entire season, WandaVision kept changing what kind of show it was, not just in terms of what kinds of comedy and what kinds of stylings that it was going for, but also like what kind of lens you had to look at it um, through yeah. um, from like, like a critical perspective. Um, there was a very... A solid chunk of time where it was easy for me to see um, the through lines in the show's production quality just because everything was really tightened together. Um, Mm -hmm. But towards the end of the season, things did start to sort of feel faltery in that way that can be sort of um, dismissed as, oh, ho, ho, understand that stories don't have to explain everything, which is true. 
But mm-hmm. it can also be used as a very handy excuse for also some of the stuff we did not really hammer out all the way through. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, right, the show was hit by COVID production woes, the way that many shows were. Um, but given how you know smart and clever and sort of innovative um, the show had been up until the finale, that feels like something that can only really explain but so much of what didn't work for the finale for me. I say that specifically because Matt Jenkman was talking, he was giving an interview about how um, there's a shot during the Agatha all along sequence where Catherine Hahn's revealing her dastardly plan, which was never explained. It was never explained how it was Agatha all along, but we'll get to that. Um, She's sitting outside of Wanda's uh, house on the lawn uh, with her picnic and a glass of wine. And mm-hmm. Max Shankman was like, oh, well, you know, like, uh, it just came to me and we decided to throw that together last minute. And it's like, yeah, that's great. Like, yeah, like you, uh, inspiration struck and you had something that really stood out within the show. Yeah. That kind of on the fly, what are we doing here? How can we make this better? That same kind of energy, you know, it is fleeting, but it doesn't disappear. And so things um, that really fell flat for me, um, like the way that Monica just kind of like disappeared, like not just disappeared, but really unceremoniously like stepped off screen um, after being confronted by Pietro and then just showing back up and then just showing yeah. up in the town square. It all felt like, girl, I don't really know how big this town is again exactly. How are you getting everywhere so fast? <laughs> and that's not, that's not a plot hole. That's like, oh no, the glue that's tying these scenes together isn't quite placed yeah. in the correct way to make things work and so it starts to make things it starts to draw attention to you know the other larger actual like plot holes in the episode you saying that is reminding me of like the whiplash we all had in watching game of thrones and we were just like near the end of it we're like how fast do these dragons actually right, fly? And it's like we know and or how <laughs> small is westeros <laughs> right like listen We've been watching, I don't know how many seasons of this show, and that big glowing orb has established how big this world is. And yet you mean to tell me that these people are getting to and fro in their dragon Ubers? No, 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 no. <laughs> you know, but with, um, with, with you know, uh, goodness, this episode picks right up um, after um, the previous one that was, yeah. you know, a trip down Wanda's memory lane. Um, and you have Agatha having, you know, she said the thing, Wanda, you're the Scarlet Witch. And Wanda, you know, ever the denial queen is like, no, 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 I'm not. Oh, my goodness. Um, (laughs) The kids are there. They're like, Mom, help us. It's very Disney Channel movie. And that, you know, was it was fun because even though the facade was very much um, falling apart at that point, all this was taking place in Westview. Right. And even though there was no um, apparent television trapping for this episode, it was fun to think of it as, oh, like, what if. (laughs) <laughs> what if there was a strange sick hybrid of a disney channel movie and a oh, marvel God. movie you know what i You're mean it's, right because like... even like the shot of agatha floating there in her costume with her like magical lassos around the kids throats and like the way that shot was lit and the setting it felt like uh something you know out of sky high you know listen do not be surprised when you see that exact sequence pop up in kingdom hearts 15 like it's going to happen (laughs) you're going to traverse all through westview right she's going to move around like a boss and it's going to be very like right i remember this in the show and it was kind of weird then and it's 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 living up to it's 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 uh it's possibility here if the if the boss music for that is not the melody of agatha all along (laughs) you are you are doing your job wrong but like in the in the there Goodness, there was supposed to be a grandeur to the fight here, right? You've got Agatha Harkness and all of her witch glory and Wanda not fully, you know, this this was the episode where she became the Scarlet Witch. But obviously at this point, she's, you know, she's dropping the whole, um, she's dropping the whole suburban mom thing and being like, I will fight for my kids. And it's, it, it, 
it was fun. You know, there were there was a lot of interesting things going on. You got to see um, Agatha draining Wanda's magic, and she starts sure. to shrivel up, and that's a direct callback to some of the comics. And you're getting a little bit, um, you're getting a little, you're getting little bits and pieces of the lore um, about the Scarlet Witch in their conversation. Um, but as the battle draws on, this is before we even get to anything else in the episode. As the battle's dragging along, it really did feel like it was dragging, and I'm thinking to myself, like, yeah, even if this show wasn't going to address any of the plot lines that had nothing to do with Wanda. Um, this was always billed as being like a, a chance for emotional catharsis. And I did not see a possibility of like true emotional catharsis coming by way of like a magical light show. In contrast, some good examples of finales and fights that have more, that have like nuance that, that lasts in your brain. Like I recently rewatched Civil War and, you know, the 2v1 fight of Cap and Bucky versus Iron Man has so much emotional weight in every one of their punches that you can't help but be drawn into that scene and just not blink at all. Um, another good example is I think Doctor Strange uh, at least didn't end with a big old flashy, you know, light show. It was clever. It, it was a clever ending. I didn't really care for Wanda and Agatha to just be you know, sharing, uh, you know, sparkles at each other and the, the whole it, time. And the thing is, it seemed prime that it was just going to be an inversion of what Agatha did to Wanda in the previous episode, right? Because this has always been a show about callbacks and references. And, you know, what if in the final battle, Wanda was like, you know what? I have, for this entire time, been digging through people's minds in order to force them to relive yeah. memories that aren't theirs. Let's dig through yours what you just do through me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And all the while, she's getting more of that Scarlet Witch thing. Um, Send us through a, a, a weird, you know, funhouse fight inside of Agatha's mind of them going through stuff and being, you know, witchy to each other, not glowing and flying above the city. And even if the, you know, even that I, I, I can, as I, as we're talking about this, I can hear how the criticism of that would have been like, well, we had just seen that. But I mean, the fight that we got is something that we've seen dozens of times at this yeah. point. Um, and again, to come back to that point of like, things just didn't quite look all that right um there's a there's there's a nod to the way that wanda hexes tony in um age of ultron she sneaks up behind agatha but dude when that happened in the episode i knew you you had to have just been like ah there there's what i wanted i mean there it is but it's in broad daylight and she's wearing yeah. a sweatshirt and it's very like okay <laughs> it's like okay wanda i mean all right and then you know she, she she does end up going back you know they they do go into agatha's mind and they take her to salem um, but then there's yet another twist and it's like, ah, ha, ha, but the illusions that you've conjured are twi turning on you. And it's like, okay, <laughs> even though this is supposed to be the victory lap, um, the celebratory victory lap and the moment of closure, um, are we going to get to a point where this feels, I don't know, like sharp, um, sharp and coming to um, a proper head, which I, I, I just... I never really felt that with Wanda, really, even as she was, you know, ooh, the, she's putting on the headdress that we'd seen in, you know, before in the series. She had the vision of it and she's probably like she's finally putting it on. And it's like, great, you've put on the Scarlet Witch's costume, but you still don't know what it means. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the big the big reveal during the fight is, ooh, the whole time that you thought that Wanda was missing with her hexes, she was drawing runes on the on the hex. Clever, sure. He doesn't know what those runes mean. Right. You know what I mean? And I, It was it's, a bit it's, convenient. It was a bit convenient. And that's not to say that these kinds of endings can't be convenient, but there's a kind of convenience that piques curiosity as opposed to a convenience that feels more sort of like, a well, here's a nice, neat, tidy bow to a tidy bow that almost draws too much attention to the fact that it's so tidy. 
Um, yeah, like and- you, you kind of have to build that kind of tidiness up with the character along the way a little bit just so that we don't completely go like, but how, you know, say, but how, right. Like we're doing it's, right now. It's, like, it's, it's a really, it's, and it's, it's, it's tricky, right? Because it's a thin line and the show, and sure. the thing is the show had really walked it so excellently before looking back at the show now, um, you, you know, when, when, when Agatha says chaos magic, it's interesting to go back and watch the things that Wanda had done in earlier episodes, which at the time seemed like, oh, that's just the show making fun of how practical effects had to be used um, in order to create their version of special effects. Um, I'm thinking specifically of when Wanda creates um, a pulley system to be like, oh, this is how Vision is flying. Yeah. That, looking at it now, she wasn't just, you know, revealing something. She was just making things that weren't there. Making things, you know, yeah. that's Warping why. the reality of the situation. Right. And that would make, that makes some of the things that she does in this final battle make a lot of sense, right? The cleverness that she employs does make sense, especially as like callbacks to earlier movies and things. But there is a point where it does sort of seem like the show is like, all right, we have to rush along and get to the Scarlet Witch bit because there's other things to do. Um, that all kind of feels like a disservice for Wanda as a character. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's not tidiness that we're, I think was really missing here because there's a there's a messiness to the way that Vision's story comes to an end. But I thought that it was really satisfying. Yeah, I feel like we're we're like uh, uncharacteristically feeling a bit uh, critical of something, and so maybe talking about the Vision stuff might <laughs> might get people in a happier place. Like, no, no, we did we did like this episode generally, so. oh, and, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and there are some really highlighting moments. And and I think Vision is a great jumping off point because I uh, it. It, it was definitely a nuanced fight that went in direction that even I couldn't predict. Like, I mean, I knew like there was going to be some, uh, I'm trying to think of a better word than the nastiness, but just some like complicated levels of like, you know, two visions fighting because they are such powerful creatures and also nuanced like heroes and that they have like a bunch of different abilities. So like, how do they two, how do the two of them actually fight each other and that kind of thing? Well, but it's, it's, when it's it, interesting to almost look at the vision fight as like an inversion of Agatha's fight with Wanda. You know, they, it, it's not, a, it's not a full on inversion because they are still having a conversation, shooting beams at each other and flying around. But the entire time it very much feels not like they're shouting at each other. It is an exchange of information and ideas, yeah. right? They are grappling they're grappling intellectually and it doesn't have to have, you know, a visual representation other than them having eye contact and circling around one another. Part of the fun of these shows is obviously the memes that come out of them. <laughs> and as soon as uh, Cataract goes, uh, I require further elaboration. I was like, that's a line that I need just etched into, you know, my brain for the rest of my life. It was just the greatest pause ever. I think that one of the fascinating things to come out of the WandaVision fandom is the presence of like memes that have sprung up out of the show's black viewership um, that like I am I'm sure at this point you have seen the image of like it's vision in a turtleneck with a chain yeah. and, a do- and a do-rag on and everybody calls him what is it um Vishon Vishon um, Oh Vishon Vishon <laughs> Vishon yeah, yeah, Vishon yeah. and it's just like it's that to me that to me kind of speaks to a show's ability to uh, create like an earworm of a character for back a letter, uh, of a lack of a better term, right? Yeah. Despite all of the questions left standing about what's going on with Vision, um, there was so much about that character that people were really able to project onto and grasp onto that it makes those moments that are already programmed to be comedic take on like a life outside of the show. It's the yeah. same thing that you saw with Agatha. Um, even, you know, and it's happened with Agatha in multiple, you know, from multiple points of view, right? It's like Agatha, 
you know, winking. And then, you know, it's like the song. And it's like, well, this is why like, that's like, it's, it's something is there. It's interesting that you haven't, I don't think you've seen as much of that sort of bubble up around Wanda. I think no. there was a little bit of it around when she was like, ha Mondays, am I right? And it's like, yeah, 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 we all like Garfield, but what else you got? Yeah. It was, it, 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 yeah, it's, I actually didn't even think about that because like, yeah, Agatha got several memes out of just that one episode even. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Vision's been like memefied multiple times throughout the and also has like some very, has the most memorable lines of the series as mm, well. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, it is a, it is a tragedy that it's like, wanda somehow they just didn't land that with wanda as much yeah and i i feel like this is all obviously meant to be the precursor to wanda's future um after after it's all said and done and wanda hexes agatha back into her agnes self and leaves her in westview you know she takes a walk of shame through the town and is like <laughs> my bad but actually not <laughs> but like actually doesn't say anything and comes up to monica and monica's like yo i get it it's okay. I, I, I know you did some low-key racist things, but I'm not going to hold it <laughs> against you. And then she just dips out of town. And it's like, okay, that, that's it? Really? They, yeah, they definitely tried to write into Monica and out for Wanda from this whole thing in that, you know, Monica has her own loss that, you know, she would like to reverse. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does, it does call to attention that the maybe the they shouldn't have felt like they needed to let Wanda off so easily. And, you know, she said it in the show, like maybe I am the villain, like then Yeah, then go own for it. it. Like, like I honestly it. like there is a you know, I am a I am a Scarlet Witch fan, right? Like I like the character. I'm also a huge proponent for more compelling villains in stories, right? Yeah. Um, if we are watching a villain's origin story, you know, with them beginning as a beginning as a hero, so be it. Like that's fascinating. Um, especially because it really does tap into a lot of the energy that exists around the character um in her comics, where she is connected to Magneto and the mutants, right? Everything, yeah. you know, that is one thing that I will say that WandaVision pulled off excellently um with this finale. There it's there's you know there there's some question to be asked about how much um, of what happened people know, but if and when word gets out, the world has very justified reason to be afraid of Wanda. Yeah, right. In the comics, it has always been sort of unfortunate that that perspective on her has come by way of like people manip- like manipulating her and taking yeah. advantage of her, with her never really being able to pull herself away from it. But here, it's like no, 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 no. You did this, like you did yeah. all of this, and then you didn't even apologize. I truly would have been. Perfectly. I think it would have made sense for Monica to be like, I understand. Like, I understand this. Yeah. But don't come back here. Like, the next yeah. time I see you, it's you and me, like, on site. Like, your little hexes don't work on me. Especially, just, just because, if only to, like, establish the fact that there is going to be a future engagement between the two of them. And there are repercussions to these kinds of things. I think a little bit of the, of the MCU just kind of bleeds into these shows, if not completely in the shows but in that the mcu is is definitely something that needs these characters to continue to like be the leads of these shows and these movies and um they want wanted to continue to be a hero for everybody and to be honest they don't have a ton of female heroes um that are headlining shows right, and so they right. they you know they want to keep her in that hero world but i mean I don't know. Like, if people can be as crazy for Loki as they are, and he's why not Wanda? Loki, why not Wanda? Because Loki. Then you talk about like 
um, uh, complex and interesting, you know, villains like Loki is that like Loki has gone through multiple iterations of good and bad. And, uh, um, clearly I just went through a big MCU rewatch cause I keep making references <laughs> to other ones. Um, listen, I'm still, I'm, I'm still sheltering at home. I got nothing to do. I just want to, I just want to watch like stuff that I know I like. And so I've been watching MCU while I've been working out in my home gym, no, which but is my I, living room. I, I totally and, understand it. But I, I recently, I just finished watching Ragnarok and there's the scene with Thor and Loki in the elevator where Thor lays out like really what Loki is. And it actually like, you can see how Loki is hurt in the elevator that Thor thinks so low of him, mm. but also like is so right. And that's like a turning point for how he, you know, not a turning point, but it's, it's something that that's different than just, you know, the cartoonish act of, you know, Agatha hovering above them and laying out her whole plan and then Wanda becoming, you know, the good guy at the end. This episode of The Real Canon is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's 2021 and we're talking about mental health finally, and that's why we're excited to be sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Personally, I am a huge proponent for therapy and therapeutic services, and I believe that most people, if not everyone, should look into and begin participating in such things. Um, everyone needs to be looking out for themselves and uh, getting the help that they need. And BetterHelp is a great service that uh, applies online convenience to a big necessity. Um, you can begin communicating with a therapist in under 48 hours with BetterHelp. You join the millions of people that are seeing what therapy is really about. So this podcast is proudly sponsored by BetterHelp. And the Real Canon listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash Canon. That's BetterHelp.com slash C-A-N-O-N. Thank you, BetterHelp. The difficult thing with Wanda, like, so in the comics, the thing that she is notorious for is not just warping reality and changing it into something that it's not. Because the bulk of the world who experiences that, they don't remember any of it. Um, what really lasts with people is the moment that she depowers the bulk of the world's mutants, um, killing a number of them whose powers keep them alive. Um, and they, their powers don't come back for a very long time. Um, that's the sort of, like, lasting causal thing that she um, not causal that's the lasting thing that she does that sort of um, haunts her till this day and because there really has not been a story that's taken the time and space that wandavision has given to wanda's grief to exploring like wanda's not guilt but really sort of like what her process of sort of atonement is there's a way that whenever someone's like oh we don't trust the scarlet witch it's kind of like a catch-22 like yeah you have reason not to but also it's kind of not the fault of, but it's sort of the result of the publisher not exactly trying to do the kind of character rehab that a lot of male characters often go through after they have heel turns. With WandaVision, I wonder how to put, given the way that things have ended, it's not so much that she needed to, you know, be shamed here and now, but it's like, sis, you really got to lead with the fact that either rather, if you are going to go for a redemptive arc, you do kind of have to sort of show some legitimate like regret, regret, because with yeah. Loki and Thor, you can see all of the hurt and pain that comes from their his familial bond with Thor. Wanda does not know Monica. They've known each other for un, like a week tops. And half the yeah. time they didn't, you know, they weren't actually engaging. And then on multiple occasions, Wanda tried to kill her. And so this whole yeah. like, you know, it, it's 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 <laughs> if and when the next time they were together, Monica were to explain in detail why the world doesn't trust her, it wouldn't to my mind, really work as like a, 
And this is when Wanda truly felt hurt again, because then it becomes, mm-hmm. you know, and then it becomes another story about Wanda being a victim. And it's like, at what point is it like, nah, sis, take responsibility for your actions. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about one more thing of good That's for good. this show. We'll, we'll sandwich this with some good. And I, I want to talk about the the final like ending and goodbye um, that happened between Wanda and Vision because mm. you can have you can have a, a a faulty you know finale, but I I'll be honest. Um, for whatever you think reasons good or bad, I was like having a hard time not crying during this. Um, maybe it's a little bit of like my broken brain getting caught up in the story but um the the interaction of of Wanda and Vision saying goodbye and everything like that was some of the best writing in my opinion um you know the show it had um you, uh, the Vision's uh summarization of his life cycle and leading up to the hope of like the next iteration of himself was you know it was magical the way that they were able to get Vision to vocalize that and um, the, the the visuals they had of, you know, the he- the looming hex shrinking in on them um, being the ticking clock. Um, it was powerful and I liked it. I will say like my feelings about WandaVision are somewhat compartmentalized because at the same time that I have all of this heat for the ending, I wholeheartedly agree that the romance is w- one of the strongest bits of Marvel storytelling that's come out of the studio. Yeah. Um, we, there was this, there was this, Goodness, ridiculously fast wave of backlash to the, you know, what is love if, or what is grief, if not love, preserving, persevering, whatever. I forget what the line is exactly. There was a lot of yeah. backlash to people responding really earnestly to that line. It's like, oh, why are you making, why are you letting a comic book movie make you feel things? And it's like, <laughs> well, you know what? There are t- like in, in, in the past year, we've all, a lot of people have lost someone um, in various, you know, for various reasons. Um, and not to say that this was a cathartic show to help people get through plague times, but there is a value in buildings, building out stories that create a space for earnest depictions of love. The issue is that most times these stories come across as very inauthentic and not particularly enjoyable. You know, you're watching people whose love um, isn't necessarily um, not great, but it's uh, how to put formulaic and not all that you know it's not doing anything that you haven't necessarily seen before sure um it is wild to say this because superheroes trying to protect their loved ones is you know it's the genre's bread and butter but we have we were just talking about superman and lois right right but it's i to this day i don't really know that i've seen a story that explained to me why superman and lois love one another I'm sure that a fan can, you know, pontificate from the depths of their heart why, you know, what they see in their relationship. But in terms of like popularized storytelling of those two characters, I think specifically of, I forget whether it's um, Batman v Superman or Justice League. No, it has to be Batman v Superman. It's the, uh, it's the scene where they're, they're in a house together and Superman, Superman Clark is like, Lois, I love you so much. And he gets in the tub with her with his clothes on like a moron. And I'm like, bro, you're not, you're an alien, but you grew up on earth. This is ridiculous. And I'm like, why? I, and she knows that he's super strong. Would you let this man clamber into your tub? No, no. And I was just like, okay, well, sure. Just to let the audience know, we are going to do a Justice League episode coming up. So get ready for a lot of discussion about that. But you're supposed to project, oh, Lois loves her, you know, her big smiley boy scout alien husband. And that's, that's fine. But with WandaVision, I feel their, <laughs> the core of their relationship um, was shown to be 
Vision's earnest desire to understand humanity better through the person who first really sort of made a connection with him, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it just so happened that that person, Wanda, was dealing with grief at that moment. Mm -hmm. And so in addition to, you know, floating around the tower and doing whatever vision stuff he does when he's not idling, he's like, well, let me look up grief and try to, you know, and try to process what that is and what people who are going through it need. That's not to say that love has to be someone identifying a need that you have and trying specifically to address it. Um, oftentimes that can be the exact opposite of what people need. But within the context of a story about a chaos within a robot, it was very sweet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and again, uh, this whole episode, uh, John watched a lot of MCU recently. I can I can verify it was there from the beginning. Like they really did lay down the groundwork of Wanda and Vision's connection little by little, so that by the time we got to this show, um, you know, they had done their their prep work to have that connection be uh, uh, on display throughout this whole season and come to an emotional ending in the um you know in that this final episode an emotional ending that i feel like almost really sort of like put to shame vision's death in the movies because we knew that they were in love and she cried when she broke the stone out of nowhere and everyone's like how the hell does she do that and she's crying but it's like i mean i don't know y'all been hanging out for a couple of years but this show was like no they've been hanging out for a couple of years you guys yeah 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 it's it's kind of like you can you can watch this show and then go back and rewatch, you know, uh, Infinity War and and feel that scene on a new level. Um, so that to say, the show had its faults along the way, but there there was a there was at least a good goodbye there um, in the end between them two, which was satisfying for me. Should we should we wrap up and talk about like post credit stuff and the next you know steps of Marvel Phase Four? Let's blow through it because I think that the post credit stuff is interesting, but there's only but so much to say about it. Post credit stuff I felt was uh, predictable, but nice for them to at least you know confirm that they were going to do like you hoped that Monica Rambeau's next story was going to be her connecting with you know I think Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel out in space, and Miss Marvel. I, I, I was watching that scene and as soon as she said we need to see you in the theater, I was like, that's a scroll right there. Like I said that out loud to my friend because it's like they're they're gonna connect it. I'm like, yes. And so once she turned into a scroll and that's gonna happen, it's like, okay, cool. That's that's next for Monica. We're gonna get full on spectrum. I hope that's what she wants. I would really love it if someone would just be like, hi, Monica, how are you? What would you <laughs> like to do right now? Because people keep bringing you into shit. No, it's like, does Monica just want to chill out for a little while? Who knows? I would hope that Monica, you know, in the absence of her mother, being able to reconnect with uh, uh, Captain Marvel is something that, that, you know, means something to her. Hmm. Um, but that's the first post credit. And then... Second, we obviously get like a little a little uh, glimpse into what Wanda's doing on, uh, you know, in Mount Wondegore. Uh, if you don't know what that is, you can follow us on social media and I'll post about what Mount Wondegore is. I'm not going to talk about it right now. Um, but she's in there. She's doing her, her witchy magic and we hear her kids saying, help me. What does that mean, Charles? Um, I mean, I think it's important to point out that she's not just doing witchy magic. You know, she's in a cabin in the woods. That's, you know, that's witchy. Um, the, the magic that she's doing... <laughs> I'm in a cabin in the woods and I'm making tea for myself. He he. Um, <laughs> the the witchy thing that she does. Uh, I love I love what's weird to you. I love that like what's what's weird to you is just a, just a different flavor, and you're just like that that woman's out there just out in the middle of the woods making tea. That's weird. Okay. I'm a firm believer that everybody should meditate, but living out in the middle of the woods by yourself. Okay, weirdo. Sure, sure. 
But so, you know, what Wanda's doing in this house is really interesting. So there are two Wandas, one might say. There's one who's dressed in rather modest clothing, sitting on her door, or rather um, the, the stoop of porch, her house, yeah. her porch, and going inside to get her tea. But in the back of the house, there's what may be ast- uh, Wanda's astral self, who is mm. floating above um, some sort of magical circle. She has the Dark Hold, uh, the book that she took from Agnes, that is a magical relic that has popped up in a bunch of other Marvel things. And she is reading through this. You know, this, you know, not to go back to what I did not like about it, but it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Read the book a little bit. If you read the book and you learned it, well, because I got I, I, I was almost expecting for there to be something akin to like a full meta alchemist situation where Wanda touched the book and got like a little teeny tiny taste of what was inside of it. Mm. Just enough to pull off some magic that because she was the Scarlet Witch would be enough to, you know, overpower Agatha. Um, this post credit scene is clearly setting up, all right, the next time that we see Wanda... She won't just be a hedge witch who's been testing out magic on her own. She's got a magical tome that will tell you exactly what you want to know. And presumably what she wants to know is how to control all of that power she has. So, you know, that's that's cool. Great. I think this was also the real nod to Mephisto. Because as, as far as the comics are concerned, where the boys go mm, is a right, very specific place. Right, right. And it's like, if the if the thing, if the through line is Wanda's desire to get her children back, would you make a deal with the devil to get your kids back? There you go. Perhaps. Um, another thing that does feel worth mentioning here about Wanda's costume, um, it is very Scarlet Witchy, right? Obviously. Mm-hmm. It's very Magneto-y. It's very Magneto-y. Um, it is. It is. It's, you know. it's even like movie Magneto-y. It's very, spe- very, very specifically feels like that. So uh, there's, the, you know, a lot of people are upset that they didn't do everything they wanted them to do with the show of like, you know, John Krasinski didn't show up as Mr. Fantastic and <laughs> and uh, uh, Fassbender didn't show up as Magneto and that kind of thing. Um, I, they didn't say no to any of anything these people wanted to happen. They didn't say no to any of no, the connections and that Wanda could have to mutants. And to be honest, I'm I'm glad that it was not broached here if if they you know if mutants had been mentioned it's all people would be talking about for the next god knows how long and there are other series coming up there are other series and other movies that have sort yeah. of, you know been set in place and set to launch long before wandavision and so you know let the let the pipeline work as it will the mutants will be here and i feel like people forget it wasn't that long ago since we no. got a new x-men movie and it was fine Dark, like uh, new mutants was fine we can take a break we can take a good break and read some X-Men comics. <laughs> There's some good comics out there. Wild Powers of idea. X and, and, uh, and uh, wait, what was the other one? Powers of X and... Oxbox? House of X and Powers of X? House of, House of X. Powers of X and House of X. That was really good. Read that. Powers um, of 10. But yeah. And, and also just like chill and watch Falcon and Winter Soldier. It comes out and like this episode will come out on Friday. So a week from today. Uh, the Falcon and Winter Soldier will be out from a week from today. You'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> another, another show about people dealing with their emotions question mark we i don't know (laughs) i don't know but uh but i like the two characters and i want to see more of them um uh but yeah so wandavision's over we got you know more disney plus series ahead of us disney plus is knocking out of the park and uh i'm I'm excited to see what the next uh thing is should we just uh go with some head cannons and send this off let's do it okay I, I'll keep this simple. You know, mm-hmm. this the show ends on, on a cliffhanger of sorts of like where Wanda could go. Mm. You're a huge fan of Wanda. I'm a huge fan of Wanda. Mm. You know, 
you pick at least one direction where they take Wanda. What happens next with Wanda? Where where do we go next with her? Uh, I think Wanda needs to go to therapy. I think Wanda needs to be like, <laughs> no, no, like straight up therapy, straight up therapy. And I say that having just reread James Robinson's 2016 Scarlet Witch run, um, where she sets out to heal magic. Um, there's one issue that is specifically about her weekly visits to her psychiatrist where she's in New York and she's out in her full Scarlet Witch regalia. She's like, yes, yes, mind the beads. Hello. Um, she goes up to the brownstone and she waits in the waiting room and little light goes off and she goes in and she talks to her. <laughs> she talks to her therapist and her therapist is like, what's on your mind? And she's like, I miss my kids, my kids who don't exist, but do exist, but they're not my kids. And he's like, you know what? Go to the park, go to the park and summon some kids and just be with them for a while. And it's great. It's great. Cause it's like, it's, it's, it's literally like physical therapy. You know, it's like tiny little baby steps and none of this like warp reality. No, 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 no. Calm down. Calm down and think about your actions. <laughs> from 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 the, the uh, teaching from the school of magic of uh, of common sense. I love it. <laughs> um, I mean, I have two answers now in my head. It, the The first is the the lizard brain John that just was like, make Wanda make mutants. She has reality <laughs> warping abilities. Make Wanda make mutants. Like, just take her there next. Go ahead and do it. But that's because I think you guys have understood at this point, listening to the show, John likes the X-Men a lot and really wants more X-Men stuff. But that's just me being selfish. Like, I hope that there's smarter and more methodically patient people at the helms of these things um, that aren't just doing what I want. Um, Would you be into like Wanda being the mother of all mutants and Magneto being her like abused child? I I think Marvel is going to have a hard time integrating the mutants mm-hmm. into the MCU because it wasn't from the be- a plan from the beginning right. and the mutants have, have been something from Marvel's comic universe that have been around for forever and so there was this like you know development of them and it, I don't know if uh, how they're going to do that in the current canon of the MCU and so they've only got a few routes that you know logically make sense Wanda's one of them um, and the, you know, the multiverse that she's messing with, not well, actually, she didn't really mess with the multiverse. Like we thought she was since Pietro just turned out to be, didn't even touch Ralph. it. She truly just flew to the middle of nowhere. Um, and so, uh, you know, Wanda messing with reality with the control that she has and with the dark hold could be a way. And so, you know, I wouldn't say no to that, but, um, seeing as how I recently, uh, returned myself to therapy, I'm down for Wanda to go in therapy. Let's normalize that and make that something that people need to go do. I'm into it. All right, let's head this out. That brings this episode of The Real Canon to a close. If you like what you heard, and we know you did, drop us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, because it definitely helps us out. And if this was your first episode, subscribe now so you don't miss the next one. We've also gotten uh, some new listeners lately. We love it. Uh, It seems like you guys really like some of the stories and episodes that we're putting out. Um, So follow us on social and you can let us know what you want us to cover next. Seriously, if we pick something that we weren't thinking of that you asked for, we will definitely give you a shout out here for sure. On top of that on social, we post plenty of contextual stuff. um, Like, do you want to know what Mount Wendigore is? I'll tell (laughs) you. Yeah, so get ready, get hyped, and we'll be back next week with more The Real Canon.